For the foreseeable future, in the wake of SCOTUS overturning Roe, we will be opening our show with a list of resources, ways to help the fight, ways to take action, and ways to provide support. So here's what you can do. You can donate to an abortion fund at abortionfunds.org. You can support a local Planned Parenthood by going to p.ppfa.org slash support. You can help independent clinics by going to keepourclinics.org. You can share why you fight for abortion access on social media by using the following hashtags. Hashtag whatever the reason. Hashtag bans off our bodies. Hashtag mind your own uterus. There's many others. You can take action and learn more at bansoff.org. You can find a local protest. You can wear green, specifically green bandanas, which represent the fight for female reproductive rights. Not the red handprint over your mouth. That is for missing indigenous women. Missing and murdered. You can make a plan. There's a lot of noise out there that SCOTUS and the GOP will not stop at row. Figure out where your threshold is and develop an exit strategy if you can. Do you have friends or family in another in a other less support less suppressive countries? Do you have an emergency savings fund? Do you have an emergency go bag pact? If this turns into a handmaid's tale situation, have an escape plan. Do you have the ability to help others in need? Get your passport. Abortion is health care, no matter your religious or political beliefs, and the decision those beliefs would lead you to make personally, because it is a personal decision. Others should be allowed to make choices regarding their own bodies as they see fit. Hey everyone, this is Allison. And this is Courtney. And you are listening to Murder Porn. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. (sighs) It's not a very welcome time. (laughs) No. We're pushing through though. This is our second episode that we're recording today. Um, So we're dragging ass a little, but I definitely want to do it due diligence. So, yes. Um, we'll get it done. We'll do it. <laughs> Before we get started, if everybody could just take a moment to um, subscribe, follow, like, share the story, share the pod, rate us if you get a chance. If we love all them five stars, you know, at the end, feel free to email us, um, comment, be nice. Yes, please just be nice. Don't be trolling. Oh, here, if, if you know, you know, but keep sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. watch that? No. Keep sweet, pray, and obey. No. The um, um, what the hell was the fucking LDS leader's name that was disgusting? Oh, 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 oh! I was gonna watch it's, that. It's good. It'll fucking infuriate you. What? Your zipper's down. My zipper's down. Yee. Christ! Yee. <laughs> Um, I was like, what's, what? Oh. She was like, mouthing stuff. Mouthing it, it didn't work. We're not on that level yet. Apparently not. One day, one day. Can't read her mind. (laughs) Damn it. All right, you want to get into it? Yes, let's go. All right, so we are doing the lovely Lindsay Buziak. We knew this was coming. Yep. Um, Lindsay Elizabeth Buziak was born November 2nd. 1983 to Jeff and Evelyn Buziak. 
She has one sister named Sarah, and they lived in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. At the age of 24, in 2008, Lindsay was working hard to get her career as a real estate agent off the ground. She was dating a man named Jason. I think his last name is Zalo or Zylo. I'm going to call him Zylo for the purposes, or or maybe I won't. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see where we go there. Jason was from a wealthy um, real estate family, actually. Um, And in late January 2008, Lindsay received a somewhat strange call from a woman who told Buziak that she and her husband were looking to buy a home quickly and had a budget of a million dollars. The hmm. caller had a foreign accent and sounded Hispanic, but the accent was a little bit difficult to kind of place. Okay. Uh, taken by surprise by the urgent nature of the phone call, Lindsay asked the woman how she'd gotten her personal cell phone number as she was a relatively junior employee within the real estate business that she was working for. The caller said that a previous client of Buziak's had passed it on to her. Um, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had so many more questions, but this poor girl was, like, young and hungry, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know how it is when you're hungry. Like, you'll you'll take anything, you know? Yeah. So, um, Lindsay was, was so on edge, actually, about the call that she did tell her boyfriend, Jason, and her dad, um, Jeff, uh, about it. And about her concerns. Uh, Her boyfriend encouraged her to take on the client because of the high commission she would get from the sale. And just in case, he offered to wait outside the property in his car. Um, So if anything went wrong, she was he was right there. It was kind of like to make her feel more safe, you know. Um, So uh, Lindsay found a suitable house. Uh, She made an appointment with the client to view it at 530 p.m. on Saturday, February 2nd, 2008. Mm hmm. Um, the following information was taken from several sources, um, and I sort of, like, combined it. But the main source that I used was the website that Jeff runs um, on his own called lindsaybuziakmurder.com, I believe, is the website. Yeah. Um, and he's got, like, a full timeline on there and a lot of a lot of information. So I used that. I used the wiki. Yeah. And then also there's a dateline um, episode on it that I watch multiple times actually because i'm a addict (laughs) um so that's where this following information came from there are some contradictions which i will point out but for the most part this is how it went so on that day jason and Lindsay went to a restaurant called sauce for a late lunch Lindsay and Jason paid the bill at Sauce at 4.24 p.m. The receipts are stamped. The um, server actually knew Lindsay really well. Mm -hmm. So that was confirmed. They left Sauce in separate vehicles. Jason went directly to an auto body shop to pick up a friend who I did not find his name. um, The friend's name. I'm sure it's out there. Um... He got to that body shop at 4.29 p.m. It's on CCTV. Lindsay is believed to have gone home to change her clothes into more professional attire. Jason was running late to her appointment to protect her. Um, while um, he, he is visible on CCTV at the body shop, leaving with his friend both in Jason's vehicle at 5.30 p.m. While driving, Jason texted Lindsay, I'll come meet you and I'll be 10 to 15 minutes or so. And that's when Lindsay said to Jason, "Okay, I'll see you in a bit. I got to go. The Mexicans are here. The Mexicans is the nickname that she gave to the clients because that's the accent that she thought that they were having. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, I mean, okay." Um, the listing house was located in a small island town called Saanich. Um, it was accessible by ferry. Um, so the street where the house, um, uh, Lindsay was showing is located at, located at DeSousa Place 
It's a small cul-de-sac and there's four houses on the cul-de-sac. This specific house was number 1702. It is at the outer end of the cul-de-sac um, on the intersection of DeSouza Place and a main road, Torque Drive. The side of the property and the fence um, in the backyard, one parallel to Torque Drive. So if you can picture that in your brain hole. Yeah. <laughs> So despite the client telling Buziak that she would come alone, a couple showed up for the viewing at 5.30 p.m. And two witnesses both corroborate that they saw a six-foot-tall Caucasian man with dark hair and a blonde-haired woman aged between 35 and 45 wearing, like, a very distinctively patterned dress. And they were walking up to the cul-de-sac together. Yeah. What? A red flag. Yeah. (laughs) The witnesses then saw Lindsay shake their hands um, while standing near the rear of Lindsay's parked car. And there were like papers on her trunk. The three of them then entered the house together and the real estate lockbox was accessed at 529 p.m. So they have that information like available too. Okay. So that was at 529 that they entered the home. At 538 p.m., Jason sends Lindsay a text saying, just a couple minutes away. That text was never opened by Lindsay. So according to Detective Sergeant Horsley, who is the lead investigator on this, that was the last text that was sent. According to other sources, Jason, mostly, he did send another text later, which we'll get to. So we're not sure which one really was the last, but neither of them were ever opened by Lindsay. She never opened them. But at 5.41 p.m., Lindsay's BlackBerry made a phone call out. And the police actually think that this was a pocket dial because her BlackBerry was actually physically in her pocket. Okay. Um, Jason and his friend drove into the cul-de-sac at approximately 5.45, so 15 minutes late. When they both saw the front door open and there was like a male inside with his back to them. Jason parked his vehicle on the opposite side of the road from the house. The rear of his vehicle was facing Torque and the listing house as well. So they sat there for like 10 minutes and then he like turned around in the cul-de-sac and drove right onto Torque and parked by the back of the house for approximately another 10 minutes because he didn't want to be like, quote unquote, a nosy interfering boyfriend. Mm. Like he kind of like wanted to give her space, but also like for her to know he was there just in case. Um, So 20 minutes have gone by since he was there and he was there 45 minutes late or 15 minutes late. I mean, so she's already been in the house for 35 minutes, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if you've ever been on a like a showing for a house before. But like most of the time, like in and out, you know, we don't need that long. (laughs) Yeah. You know right away whether you're interested in my opinion. But okay. So Jason said that he went, he sent, this is when he sent the second text to Lindsay. It was just prior to 6.05 p.m. And he said, are you okay? And again, no answer from Lindsay. At this point, both Jason and his friends, now beginning to get worried, walk up to the front door and found it was locked. Yeah. They didn't see anybody come out. Hmm. But they saw people standing there when they were there. So Jason was repeatedly knocking on the door. He was, there was no answer, but he was able to like see in through the textured glass window next to the door. He could see Lindsay's shoes laying on the floor. At this point, he's very worried because there's no response. He saw the people getting ready to leave and then they didn't. And now the door is locked, but Lindsay's shoes are still inside. Like something's off. So this is where there's a bit of a discrepancy. At this point, we know that Jason calls 911 and it's about 6.05. Either while he is calling 911 from the front door, the friend goes around to the back and like slips through a gap in the fence and finds that the patio door is unlocked. And so he comes in and like lets Jason in. That's one way that we think this went. The other way is that while he was on the phone, he actually walked around to the back with the friend, hung up from 911, boosted his friend over... The fence, the friend then went to the open door. Jason went around to the front and the friend let him in. Either way. I mean, it doesn't really make a super big difference, but those are the two conflicting stories. 
Um, let's see. There was no answer when they were calling Lindsay's name. So the two of them took it upon themselves to start searching the house for her. Obviously, they're worried, like, that she was having, like, some sort of medical emergency or something. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they very quickly found her lying on the floor in the upstairs primary bedroom in a pool of blood. Um, and at that point, Jason's friend quickly called 911 again. This was 611. So literally six minutes passed between the first and the second calls. Um... While on the phone, he could hear the sirens approaching because they were already, like, within minutes because they were on their way after his first call, basically. Um, And when they arrived, Jason and his friend were both still upstairs in the bedroom. They were, like, waving their arms to, like, flag them down from the window. Um, So, unfortunately, Lindsay Buziak was pronounced dead when the paramedics arrived. She had been stabbed multiple times and there were no defensive wounds which indicates that she was likely stabbed um, initially from behind. I was about to say. And she had no idea what was about to happen. When police arrived, Jason and his friend... Or, sorry, let me just... Bloop, bloop, bloop. Okay, so they also did a full search of the property and nothing had been stolen and she had not been sexually assaulted. So this was simply for... Just the, a murder. Like, she was just murdered for... We don't know why. The police went into the home, up to the bedroom, and immediately took both Jason and his friend to the police station and separated them, which is proper conduct. This is what you do. Yeah. Um, They were soon released after um, questioning because their stories matched up and they were verified by the timestamp CCTV and text messages, the lockbox information, and the 911 calls. Um. At 5.38 p.m. to 5.41 p.m. within that, like, three-minute window is when they think that Lindsay was murdered. And that's based on when he um, saw the guy leaving, when the witnesses saw them coming, when the lockbox turned on. Um, Jason Zalo, uh, he's been interviewed several times over the years and has always cooperated with the police he has passed a polygraph test as well which he took willingly so at this point they're pretty sure that he personally had nothing to do with that either that or he's a really fucking good liar (laughs) so the family of jason were also investigated due to their connections with that cul-de-sac so the de court is named after developer joe de who was a friend and business associate of shirley zalo which is jason's mom Part of the cul-de-sac was still under construction at the time of the murder, and DeSouza himself was actually at the location an hour before the murder, supervising construction work. So there are also construction workers there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the police have stated that no one in the Zalo family is a suspect at this point. So they, they think that they've thoroughly investigated. Yeah. So due to the complete lack of DNA fingerprints, or any other physical evidence at the scene, it is believed that the murder was well-organized and carried out by people who had perhaps killed before. Uh, the police are satisfied that the killers were leaving through the front door, so they they really truly think that they were trying to leave through the front door when Zalo drove up to the property, and that's when they, like, decided to go through the back door instead. So they left through the back patio door, um, and that's why it was open and like they just went through the fence and back to their vehicle which they had already parked back there anyway yeah um so this is consistent with the witness statements of the unknown couple um walking rather than driving up the cul-de-sac and the fact that all the vehicles on the cul-de-sac once police arrived were accounted for so they're pretty confident yeah. that they were parked back there red flag oh, yeah red flag <laughs> Um, so the cell phone the couple used to contact Lindsay was purchased late November 2007 at a Vancouver convenience store. So it was like a burner phone, essentially. Mm-hmm. The phone was registered to a most likely fake name of Paolo Rodriguez, and it was activated in late January 2008 in the in the Vancouver area. So bought in Vancouver, activated in Vancouver, but several months apart, November to January. Um, let's see here. 
So it was re registered to a legitimate address in Vancouver as well, but it was a business address that's not believed to have any connection to the case. Like, they just think they chose this address at yeah. random. The phone traveled to the island by ferry 24 hours prior to Lindsay's murder. And it has been confirmed by cell tower data that the first call to Lindsay was made from Vancouver as well. So police said at least half dozen calls were made to Lindsay. And after her murder, the cell phone was never used again. So these people very likely lived in the Vancouver area. Or were visiting it frequently. Yeah. So they bought this burner phone specifically for this purpose and then never use it again. They do believe that the killer, they they knew how to carry out a murder and then cover their tracks. Like, they don't think this was their first rodeo. Right. The experts all agree um, to a significant degree of planning um, that went into this murder. They explored the theory that professionals were hired with specific instructions to express the anger that someone else felt towards Lindsay because of the number of times she was stabbed and in the, in the back. Um, the experts agree the murder was personal and that somebody close to Lindsay planned it and hired the killers. That's horrid. Jesus. The phone was deactivated soon after the murder and has not been used since. Cell phone tower pings show that the phone traveled on the ferry from Vancouver the day before the murder. And authorities believe the phone was used for the sole purpose of the murder and was discarded afterwards. This supports their theory that the murder was planned. Yeah, it's fucked up, dude. This poor girl. So in September 2010, the American network NBC aired a Dateline episode called, um, it says Dreamhouse Murder, but I think it's actually, hold on one second. The actual name of it is Unsolved, the Dreamhouse Mystery. Um... <clears throat> Um, Saanich police have confirmed that they um, agree with the Dateline investigator's conclusion that Buziak was an innocent party. Her murder was targeted, hit, arranged by someone close to her. They narrowed it down the investigation to three or four like working theories. The Saanich police detectives, Horsley and McCall, revealed that in December 2007... About eight weeks prior to her murder, Buziak tried to contact the friend of her ex-boyfriend while on a visit to Calgary. On January 22nd, 2008, the largest drug bust in Alberta's history took place. And the friend that she was trying to contact while she was in Calgary was arrested as being a major participant in the illegal drug tra trafficking operation. Isn't that crackers? Yeah. Like, you never know. You never know. Damn. Yeah, it was suspected that Buziak's murder may have been ordered by a drug cartel because she they thought she was potentially a police informant simply by that one phone call. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is weird. Ugh, it just That's kills crazy. me. That seems so far-fetched, though, because on one hand, they're saying that, like, they didn't really know her and they just thought she was a police informant. And on the other hand, they're saying they did know her well and that they thought it was personal. Right? So, yeah. like, that doesn't really line up to me. Well, I mean, I guess... I guess that whole personal thing would make sense, though, if, like, there was a huge drug bust and they were all pissed off about it. So, like... Yeah. Well, it says that the de the detectives investigated that uh, person and they just think that... It was just a coincidence? Yeah, exactly. They like don't agree. Dink. The, yeah, exactly. Damn. It didn't fit, like, a hired killer's method of operation, essentially. <clears throat> Crime scene investigator Yolanda McClary and veteran homicide detective Dwayne Stanton both agree that Buziak's murder was not a contracted murder related to a drug cartel. It was brutal, but too amateurish. So, like, this probably wasn't their first rodeo, but they for sure had fucking done something like this before. They yeah. just weren't, like, you know, cleaners or enforcers yet. Mm -hmm. um, let's see here. Both seasoned investigators um, stated that they do believe that Buziak's murder was very personal and planned by someone very close to her. So yet again, they're, they're pretty sure that that's the case. They think it was someone who had access to inside information from the Remax office where she worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so speculation regarding another drug bust related to this group of people was also investigated as a link to Buziak's murder. 
an individual's phone had been tapped because of his high level of involvement in the trafficking and sales of legal narcotics in British Columbia and Alberta. During the wiretaps, law enforcement uncovered information that led to the British Columbia legislator raids in 2003. Buziak's and her boyfriend's phone at the time were also tapped because of their because of his association with this group. So, although the theory was interesting, it was quickly dismissed because Buziak was never known to be involved in drug use or trafficking and was not on the witness list released to the defense during the trial. This is so fucked up. Like, what is fucking going on in Victoria, Calgary, like, that, like, you literally are randomly, like, know seven people people. who are big-time drug cartel members? That's weird. Like, who is she associating with? I don't know. That's crackers to me. I mean, it... You never know, you know? You only ever know what people want you to know about them. This I is guess. just insane. I mean, pff. So. Uh, she also, like, was not on any witness lists or anything like that. So they're not sure how the, they would have gotten any information regarding her in that fashion. Yeah. To, like, track her down and murder her. Um, McCall stated on the Dateline episode that it's possible that one of the people who went into that house was also the mastermind behind her murder. So they think that one of the people was also, like, the enforcer or whatever. Like, they were in charge of cleaning up the mess that they thought had been made. They they planned everything, essentially. Could it so, have been as simply as, like, a co-worker was really fucking pissed off that she was, like, doing well and, like, taking possible business or something? Maybe. If people are that fucking petty. I don't know. Um, I mean... Just a few quotes from the police officers. One, it's not cool to tell on your friends. It's not cool to rat people out. Many times in a homicide investigation, you can get past that because it's also not cool to kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Another quote said, there should be some assurance to anyone that is considering speaking to the police that we're not really interested in the skeletons in your closet. We have the ability to put that aside and focus on what we're really interested in, and that is catching these killers. So if you do have any information and you're afraid to come forward, like, they don't give a shit about your past. They don't care what you do for a living, blah, blah, blah. They just really want information that's going to help them solve this, essentially, is what they're saying. Yeah. So what they're saying is there is nothing in her life, and we have conducted an extensive background check that would indicate that she was involved in anything criminal, in anything of a domestic violence relationship, and that is the most perplexing thing. It is also possible that Buziak's killers were under the mistaken impression that she had revealed information she shouldn't have, or perhaps that she was somehow connected to a dangerous person without knowing it, end quote. Hmm. She said, "You or he, this detective also said, you can be a person who just works and minds their own business in Victoria, yet through a very brief network of friends, you could be absolutely connected to people that are involved in very bad things. Yeah. That's a quote from Detective Horsley himself. He's the lead, the lead on this. That's fucking crazy. What is going on there, man? Right. That's- that you can just like randomly come in contact with this and you're not living like a high, a high risk lifestyle. What the fuck, dude? I I don't know, man. Don't live in that area, I guess. Yeah. Something. I, that's so fucking... So, um, Sergeant Dean Jansen for the Saanich Police also said that the killing was very organized. There was a lot of planning and effort and forethought. Um, and these tend to be the most complex crimes and is the most egregious crime. And often they can become long-term and complicated. There are people in the community who are withholding information. We know there is a bit of a cone of silence around this. So so what's going on that the person who organized this had so much power that everyone's literally afraid to speak? Also, like, my fear is, like, okay. So there's a couple other things that I didn't really put in here, but now I kind of want to talk about them. One, there's speculation that um her boyfriend um was ready to propose to her and his mom was fucking pissed about it she didn't want that to happen she wanted him to marry somebody more affluent she was also in the real estate business and had connections to all the houses in that cul-de-sac through her friends 
Additionally, after Lindsay's murder, one of Lindsay's friends stated that she was woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call that like startled her awake. She answered the phone and there was like a weird accent of a like a woman. She couldn't place the accent and she didn't really like understand what they were saying, except for like, I killed her and I'll kill you too or something like that is what she said they said. She then re- called back, no answer, called back, no answer, repeatedly called back 20 to 30 times. And finally, the person who answered the phone was Shirley's, um, Shirley, um, whatever Jason's last name is. I, Zalo, I believe. Yeah, Shirley Zalo, Jason's fucking mom. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't make that phone call. Yeah. Like, vehemently denying it. So I'm not really sure how much work was done on that to see if it was ever traced, but she still denies to this day that she made that phone call. Hmm. I... Liar. Yeah, girl. I got some... I mean, I don't want to get sued, but, like, you know, speculation and stuff like that. It seems like... Allegedly, supposedly. She should be looked at a little closer. Yeah. Allegedly, like, supposedly. It, I, I feel like if she... if if Lindsay had never been associated with Jason and with Jason's family, then she never would have ever like crossed paths with any of these people that they're saying she was associated with. Like she was a good girl. She was a good girl. So in February of each year, Lindsay's father, Jeff leads an annual walk in remembrance of Lindsay and to keep her case in the public eye. So sad. That was his baby. Yeah. Um, in August 2017, a public message was posted on the investigative website run by Jeff Buziak, which is the Lindsay or Lindsay Buziak murder.com. The message contained multiple misspellings and stated, quote, I killed Lindsay and stupid cops will never prove it, unquote. So somebody hacked the page to write that. Whoa. Yeah. So in 2020, the Capitol Daily requested a release of public records relating to the case and reported previously unpublished information about the case. So the documents that they received by their, it's basically like a FOIA request, but it's in Canada. Yeah. Um, it stated that the documents revealed that police were aware of two different phones associated with the crimes, not just the one. Oh. Yeah. And one was that Vancouver number that was only used to contact Lindsay, and the other was used to check the voicemail of the first one. So, like, who so does that was- trace back to, motherfuckers? Yeah. Like- That's... Yeah. Yeah. So... They also reported strange internet activity during the time just before Lindsay's murder. And police initially suspected suspected that violent criminals, quote, on Lindsay's Facebook page, friends list may have played a role in her murder. So apparently she also had friends on Facebook that were known violent criminals. My question is, is were those her friends before she met Jason? How did she meet those people? Because I think that the Zalo family... Has some unsavory um, friends, friends, secrets, maybe skeletons in their closet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. um, Let's see. In February 2021, Saanich police said that advancements in DNA analysis and other technology had created new leads in the case. The United States Federal Bureau of Investigation has also been working with investigators on the case since early 2020. So that's very recent. So hopefully they're able to make some sort of headway on this because honestly, it sounds like Sandwich police dropped the fucking ball on this and they're just blaming it on like a stranger murder. And that's why. But it seems like they've got a lot of information that they confirmed through technology. So why aren't they tracing that other phone? Now, hopefully, they're testing DNA that they hadn't tested before. I mean, 14-year year difference there, I guess. So maybe there was some technological invas- advancements, like mm-hmm. the touch DNA or whatever. Yeah. So um, Lindsay's poor dad 
He offered a $500,000 reward for information leading to the capture of Lindsay's murderers. Mm. Uh, he has never given up on her. Never. He still runs the murder the murder page, the murder investigation page. He still has the walk every year. It's just, I don't know. I think at this point, it's been 14 years and there have been no leads. I don't think it would be easy at all to not know why such terrible things happen to your daughter. Like, a daughter who did not live a high-risk lifestyle, as we talked about. Um, you know, she was a hard worker. She had a bright future ahead of her. And she was just cut down, like, in her prime. Legit. Like, as she was getting her career off the floor. Yeah. So sad. Off the ground, I guess. So, um... Basically, Jeff Buziak is completely, like disenchanted with the Saanich Police Department. Like, mm-hmm. he thinks that they know more than what they're saying and that they have not done a good job at this. Um, he does not want you to contact the Saanich Police. Um, Constable Chris Horsley is still in charge. I did not even look up their phone number because Jeff Buziak, the father, does not want you to go to them. He wants you to call Crime Stoppers or he wants you to contact him personally. So you can call the Greater Victoria Crime Stoppers at 800-222-8477, or you can email Jeff Buziak directly at jeffbuziak at hotmail.org. What do you think? It's insane. It's crackers. I don't understand how somebody who is, like, just such a straight and narrow person is related to so many criminals like or knows so many criminals in one way or another my theory is that she knows those people through her boyfriend's family um so i don't i mean this is a story that's been told pretty regularly i've i've heard it done on dateline i've watched that dateline episode actually a lot of times and it's just insane to me like it's so scary and sad and like being a realtor is a dangerous job. Yeah. You would never think that showing somebody a house to buy could be dangerous. But it right. is. It yeah, is. Yeah, because you're meeting people that you don't really know. Right. It's crazy. I think any job where you're meeting people that you don't really know in an environment that's out, that's unsecured. Like, like, I get afraid of, like people who do Lyft or people who like do DoorDash or anything like that where you're going to people's houses or going to places outside of public areas. Yeah. I, I get nervous for people like that. The more I think about it, the more I get really fucking pissed at her boyfriend. And I'm sure that he harbors a lot of guilt over this, but like he knew this was a super sus situation and like he had no urgency in getting to her. He was running 15 minutes late. And legit, all he had to do was just pick a fucking friend up from a body shop. She went all the way home, changed, and then went to the house and was there on time. Like, what the fuck? Do you think maybe he could have known something? A lot of people are suspicious of that. But like you said, he's been cooperative. He's passed a polygraph. But there are certain medications you can take to pass a polygraph. Uh, Xanax. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There are certain... um, disorders that will help you pass a polygraph yeah so because basically what you do is you just fuck up your baseline so they can't tell you know what i'm saying so i don't know that that's a theory though and that's probably in my mind the thing that makes the most sense after doing all this reading on this well also like why would you park in such a way that you really couldn't see what the hell was going on yeah his back of his car was facing it yeah, that doesn't... And then he went around the back? Like, that makes... I don't know, man. I, I don't know what was going through his I guess head. if I were that concerned that something were going wrong, I probably would have broken out a window. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Either one, he knew. He knew. Yeah. Or two, he didn't know and he was just so naive and never thought that there could be any danger. Like, he didn't ever realize. And maybe that's really the case. Maybe. And maybe that's why he was so, like, nonchalant and why he didn't fucking show up on time. You know? I don't know. That's, that, but I would be, 
She is up in heaven, <laughs> probably cursing him out just for not showing up on time. And personally, like, I would not be alone. I would make it known that I am there with someone else. Like, I would have gone in the same vehicle. But, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, I guess. But yeah. always trust your gut, man. Always trust your gut. And I'm sure her dad lives with that guilt every day that he, she didn't tell, he didn't tell her not to do it or he didn't go with her personally. Yeah. You know? Ugh, it's just so sad. It's so Although, sad. like, you gotta think that, like, if these people had really, really wanted her dad, they would have set her up another way, I'm sure. Yeah, but this was so easy. I know, but, like, I'm just saying, like, they, if she had done everything right, they may have set her up a different way if they didn't get her the first time. Yeah. I guess your jealousy theory is actually a really good one, too. Like, what if it was somebody... Because they're saying it was somebody in her Remax agency that had knowledge of what she was doing and where she was going. Yeah. Did his did her boyfriend's family have ties to that Remax agency? Or was it legitimately someone there that was just jealous and set her up because she was sick of her taking business? Or maybe could it, his mom have been jealous in some so capacity, not so much that... I don't think it was jealousy. I think she just didn't want them to be together because she, Lindsay wasn't affluent enough or something. I don't know. Well, I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, it's it's messy. It's yeah. messy for sure. Damn. Poor Lindsay. So, you know, it, a while has passed, but I still think that there's information out there. And based on what I read, the police agree. Um, don't be afraid to give them that information because they don't care about the skeletons in your closet. They literally just want to solve a murder. Yeah. Murder is bad. Okay. So, um, like I said, con- contact them. Contact Jeff Buziak. Um anything can help you know correct damn Woof. i didn't know it was like when we were initially talking about this whole entire case because we uh, how we came upon this was an episode that we recorded that didn't sound very good yeah we had to cut it <laughs> we had to cut the episode um it like i thought it was just gonna be like almost like a craigslist situation or it wouldn't have been this deep but this is deep <laughs> yeah i i, I definitely think this. that it was close and personal i definitely think that it was probably a hired hit yeah fuck man but who hired it and why yeah and who was the, who perpetrated it that's the question right mm-hmm. so gosh okay well that was certainly that was a, a like doozy. i said i was not expecting this i was expecting this to be like almost like a craigslist kind of situation where it was just somebody that was interested in killing somebody well, was not expecting that yeah okay it's a lot it's a lot i feel really bad for her family and for her dad he like oh for sure I, and I, I don't think I would ever give up if I was a parent, too. Like, oh, I commend no. him for that. No. Also, like, you just have to remember the squeaky wheel. Man, just be the squeaky wheel. Yeah, for sure. So. All righty. Any current events you would like to chat about? Oh, we do have our missing child. Oh, yeah, do that. Okay, so today... Um, all of a sudden i saw something go by my like leg and i was like what the heck and then i looked down yeah he's sniffing your shoes probably my cat hi bud okay so today we have um lucas lopez hernandez um he's been missing since april 24th 2020 2022 I almost said 2024. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going in the future, guys. Um, missing from Dayton, Ohio. His date of birth is September 22nd, 2010. He's 11 years old. Um, he's male, Hispanic, black hair, brown eyes, 3'7", 72 pounds. Lucas may be in the company of an 
a male adult. It doesn't specify anything else other than a male adult. Thanks for all the help, sir, with the, whoever made that. Thanks, National Center for yeah. Missing and Exploited Children. Well, it's, it's probably not their fault. It's the information that was submitted Yeah, I know. This I've said this before. I will probably say it again. It's quite amazing the lack of information yeah. that isn't in any of this. Yeah. So, um, so once again, if you see this boy, we'll be posting his picture on our Instagram. If you see this boy, call 911 or 1-800-THE-LOST, which would be 1-800-843-5678, or Montgomery County Sheriff's Office in Ohio, which is 1937 225 70 or 57 sorry <laughs> 43 57 wow damn yeah if you guys know anything contact them yes help bring them home yes please all right current events in jail i feel like we just did a whole episode on row and that's like at the most forefront of my mind so i don't have like the capacity to even talk about anything else there's really. the emmett till stuff where they found the uh, oh yeah Yes, and I want to do a whole episode on this, but Emmett Till was a boy. He was like 14, I believe. I think so, yeah. In Mississippi in the 50s or the 60s. I I'm so sorry. I I read this the other day and I had already known the story and so the dates are they've escaped yeah. me, but it was, you know, uh, in racist heart of Mississippi, apparently he went into a convenience store and whistled Supposedly. at the store clerk, who was a female. No, that was confirmed. He did, he did whistle, whistle. But she also told her husband that he grabbed her arm in an inappropriate manner as well. Oh, really? I always thought it was like he supposedly whistled, but he didn't whistle. The, the friend that Whatever. he was with or the cousin that he was with confirmed he did whistle. Okay. But he did not touch her. After this occurred, the woman went home to her husband, told him that this black boy whistled at her, which was a big fucking no-no, and yeah. even more of a no-no was touching her inappropriately on the arm. On the arm. I'm not really sure how inappropriately you can touch someone on her on their arm, but like a black boy touching a white woman back then, and it was just a no-no, especially in the South, especially yeah. in Mississippi. Good God. Anyways... This happened but way back in the day. Her husband and his half-brother, I believe, um, they all got in the truck together. They drove through town. They kept pointing out just like every age-appropriate black boy that they, they saw. And she kept saying, no, not him. No, not him. No, not him. She pointed. They finally pointed at Emmett. And witnesses heard a female voice say, yes. That's him. And then the husband and half-brother got out of the car, retrieved Emmett, and basically took him out and, and murdered him. They bludgeoned him. They beat the, f the living hell out of him. Thank you to fucking racist-ass fucking Mississippi. For some reason, she was never prosecuted. But a warrant was, wish was issued mm -hmm. for her arrest, and it was never served. Yep. Well, somebody re like just now just happened was going through a box of paperwork and found the fucking warrant. Yeah. And now they're calling for her to be arrested. She's yeah. like 80 Hell yeah. Arrest old. that bitch. There ain't no statute on murder, man. There ain't no statute on murder. And frankly, she was in the truck. So she was a participant. IMO. But um, I don't care how fucking old she is. She's gotten to live her life. She's gotten to have a family. She took those opportunities away from him. Yeah. The way that I look at it, I was saying this to my husband. It was like, how many times have they like gone after like SS soldiers over in Germany, whether or not they're like 101 years old? Like yeah. they're, they're trying to right now. Nazis. Yeah. Um. So like, why is it that we can't do this to this woman? I think like, we why can. Does it the problem is, is the state of Mississippi says that the warrant is no longer valid. Well, unfortunately, when that warrant was issued, the person, the judge who signed the warrant stated that there was enough information for at least an indictment or a grand jury. 
So uh, the family is like, no, fuck that. Arrest this bitch. Like, it's time. There's petitions out there. Find the petitions. Sign the petitions. Help this family out. Force the state of Mississippi to do what they should have done, you know, 65, 70 years ago when this happened. Yep. Justice for Emmett Till. Yep. So, yeah, that was a big one that was just recently yeah. in the news. Um, Recommends books, movies, shows, podcasts? Um, Still finishing up that one book. Yeah, I'm still on the same one that, that I've been working on for a while, too, about... Um, I really... I'm dying. I'm dying to tell you guys what the big... Yeah, I'm stoked on it, too. What the big one is. He's I'm, like, dying. probably the the one. He's my one that I'm most fucking afraid of. People are going to figure it out. Yeah. People I'm are sorry. Gonna figure it out. All right. That's okay, though. That's okay. I'm, I'm okay. Actually, let's play this game. Um... Make a comment on our Instagram or on our uh, pay, like on our uh, podcast, like website. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Make a comment on who you think this big one is, and maybe okay. Um, maybe we can make it into a contest. Like Ooh, I don't know. whoever like, figures it out gets a sticker or something. Gets like a sticker, or like a glass or a mug or yeah, like some one of our merch. Like one you of get our merch. free merch, but you have to follow us on Instagram. So yeah, comment comment on our Instagram Murd P podcast. Who you think it is? Whoever comes up with it can get. This reminds me, I need to order some stickers. merch. I'm going to do that, I swear. <laughs> yeah, I can get some merch. That will be our... And if multiple people come up with it, then I guess we'll have to have, like, a raffle or something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We could just put their names in a cup and draw. I think you can, like, do it... Um, Electronically? Like, on... That seems so complicated. On the <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> but we... Uh, whoever comes up with it. I like that idea. Because that would be fun. That'd be yeah. like a so fun So if you way. think you know what the story is that Courtney's working on, drop us a line. Let us know what you think on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram and drop us a line. Um, and we're going to come up with something for whoever wins. Yeah. <laughs> now, if I don't have this particular one ready for the next time that we record, I'm probably going to do uh, Summer. Oh, yeah. You've been working on that, like kind of throwing that around for a while. I say just fucking do it. Yeah. So if I don't have this big one ready for next time, I'm going to talk about Summer Wells. Hold on. I got, I've got, i got a list of cases that I want to do. So let me look and see, and I will pick one from that. Hold on. Have you looked on this to, like, do your own? <laughs> oh, I have podcast ideas. I, I shared it to come up with eons ago. So, okay, I just did Lindsay Buziak. Um, I'm going to do Amy Dyers. She's a baby farmer. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, that's um I think that's that's all for today other than drop in our socials and stuff. Yeah, so oh no, I have a podcast. Oh, recommend. you have a podcast? Yes. Okay. So I got turned on to this because I was listening to a fellow uh, murder podcaster's episode on um what the f- uh miss cavich the wife what the fuck was her name i can't remember her first name but the um scientology like the queen of scientology that's been missing for eons oh yeah i I was listening to this episode it was a great episode but in it they started talking about this other podcast and i also on top of being just like a true crime fan in general I'm, like, a fan of horror movies mm-hmm. um, and books and, like, you know, shit that goes bump in the night. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they recommended this podcast called, um, let me look it up so I have it right. I think it's called All the Scary People. Um, Very Scary People is the name of it. And it is hosted by Donnie Wahlberg. What? Yeah, and his voice is actually super fucking soothing. Like, not even gonna lie, dude. It's butter. Butter. 
But the podcast... Isn't he married to Jenny McCarthy? Yeah. Oh, I Jesus. Have, I don't feel like no, I can support this. It's fine. <laughs> okay, but listen to me. I don't care. It's not hosted by Jenny McCarthy. It's hosted by Tony. I know, but then I feel like I'm contributing to her It's fine. To her Just listen to pro- me. Pockets. The podcast does a deep dive on the Amityville murders. Oh. From the Amityville horror. Yeah. Like, it goes into the actual family that was involved, what they were all like, what was going on around them at that time. And then also, it does a deep dive from there into, like, how did this spiral into what it became? And the 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 hoax and all that jazz. It's fucking good, you guys. Like the Warrens and stuff? Yes. Oh, I fucking hate them. Well, they were the ones that... I love them. The demonologists they're, and Lorraine Warren. I love them. I think they're awesome. They also... are. They came into the Amityville house and they were like, this is bullshit. They, they were the ones that were like, this is a fucking hoax. I don't know. She's... I don't, I don't, I don't trust. I, I think she's a medium. I don't think so. I don't trust them. That's, that's fine. <laughs> agree to disagree. I, I just, I disagree. I don't like the Warrens too much. <laughs> agree to disagree. Anyways, the, it's really fucking good because I've read the book. I've seen all of the versions of the movie. It's fucking good podcast. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, the... Um, other podcast that I really recommend, it's called Murder Porn Podcast. <laughs> that took a minute there. I was like, I'm like sitting there going, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, dude, you don't even understand, guys. Before we like started our podcast, I like actually Googled if there was like a murder porn podcast besides this one. And initially I just like googled murder porn that was a bad mistake don't do that Shelly Miscavige and the podcast that it was on is called the true crime journals okay so it was good to listen to um uh, because I've really followed that case for a while now but it's actually a pretty good podcast I've listened to a few episodes now um another one that I'm listening to right now is the deck which is an audio chuck one, and it's hosted by Ashley Flowers, which I'm wearing my Crime Junkie Prepare-Anoid shirt right now. <laughs> we need our own merch so we can wear a merch. I know, I want it. Um, y'all, I am such a fucking, like, diehard when it comes to this shit. So, um, yeah, into it. Into it. Anything else? Um, nothing I can think of. Oh, if you're going... To do this whole entire, um, like, contest thing, uh, giveaway kind of thing, comment what you think it is on the picture of Lindsay Buziak that we post for this episode. Uh, Actually, no. I'm going to do a separate. I'm going to do a separate one that says, like, what do you think Courtney is working on right now? What's the big case? That's what it'll say. And then that'll give you. There you go. That's where you can post and make sure that you're following us. Because if I click on your name when you get it right and you're not following us, you get passed up. Okay. And then also at the same time, go ahead and just drop us a line about what you want, what you want the prize to be. But make sure like, you know, like this is out of our pockets. Like we don't have any sponsors. Nobody's donated to us. Nobody's sponsoring us. So this is like. Yeah, be reasonable. In kindness, what we're fucking doing to you. So don't ask for like a fucking hoodie or a pool table or some shit like that. <laughs> T-shirt. That's the max I'm willing to go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Um. Social media plugs. You know, while we're here, go ahead, like, follow, share, rate, comment, all that jazz, yep. please. Yeah. You can listen to us everywhere. You've probably found us if you're listening yep. to us. Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Audible, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Woo! Which, dude, Samsung Podcasts for the fucking win, dude. Blowing us up. Uh-huh. Into it. Into it. Mm-hmm. Uh- <coughs> <laughs> We're at the end of, like, recording fucking breath it was not even spit it was just like my breath (laughs) yeah we're like we're we're really we're really at the uh the chronic (laughs) fatigue has taken over like over an hour ago like i literally was just fucking powering through that episode yeah you were talking and i was like i'm listening but at the same time i'm like 
Don't close my eyes. Yeah, I think I, we need to start, eyes. like, I, when we do double recordings, like, maybe, I, and th- th- tell me if this is being selfish, but maybe I should start doing my first because I really start getting tired. Like, oh, okay, yeah. And so when sense. I'm speaking, it just becomes so, like, dull drum. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That makes sense. Anyways, let me know if y'all feel that way, too, because sometimes I do. I, like, I start to check out because I just get so fucking tired. Yeah. Um. All right. Email us with story recommendations or comments on the show, ways we can make it better. Um, if you fucking tell us to take our fucking politics out of the show, the answer's no. No. <laughs> just skip. <laughs> yeah, just move on. I feel like like-minded people are probably like impassioned with us on these subjects. Probably. So probably. I've actually gotten personal comments from people like in our dms which i've showed you saying like thank you you speak for so many so i know there's people out there that appreciate this shit and that just fucking hell yes dude power to the motherfucking people yeah (laughs) anyways email murderpornpodcast at gmail.com we also have a website where you can look at each of our shows you can um click on links to listen from there you can drop us a comment the website is murderpornpodcast.podbean.com podbean is our main platform Mm -hmm. we ain't got a twitter don't look for us i don't tweeter (laughs) i do not tweet people i'm sorry maybe i should i don't know i don't i I just have never gotten into it literally never i tried and i just was like meh I have my own personal Twitter, but honestly, you got a tweeter. Like, I I don't I don't get on there. No, I ha- I shut mine down because it literally became something that like p- people hacked it and it was like not me anymore. So I just shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, Facebook ain't got one of those either. Maybe someday, not today. And when we do, it'll probably just be like a discussion group, but not a thing yet. Yeah uh instagram murd m-u-r-d p like porn podcast that's our handle murd p podcast because again the words murder and porn are a hard no for instagram in your handle you can hashtag it you can't make it your handle doesn't make sense no, they'll like shadow. They they shadow ban you if you've got it too. Because I was able to look some people up where it was in their name, and nope. Um, so we do have a link tree now that's available in our Instagram bio and on our website. Through the link tree, you can um, access um, our podcast through different platforms: Spotify and Apple, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at the merch, which I'm gonna get on that and do things with that yeah we're gonna expand our merch because right now it's just kind of like our logo with on some shirts and stuff and we've got really fun ideas yeah so um let's see courtney's getting ready or like in the in the midst of setting up patreon tip jar so that you guys can you know financially donate because at this point like we're doing this in our own free time we both, um, like, Courtney's a full-time mom. She's got three fucking kids. Two of them are in diapers still. She's currently get getting ready to get back into the job market as well. Um, and then I also work a full-time job. So, like, like this is our free time. This is what we're doing. Um, we're not saying we want to make this our full-time job at all. No, That's I just, like, would like a new fucking microphone or like something. like some new microphones. <laughs> That's that's our goal right now, um, just to raise money for new microphones because these are borrowed. Yeah, my brother-in-law bless his soul. Yeah. Uh, so, and we're gonna have to eventually buy new microphones for us. Yeah. Because our old ones were n- not not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Courtney has her own Instagram. It's Courtney C U. C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y underscore A-N-N 0.1. Mine is Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N underscore Wonderland. And that's W-0-N-D-3-R-L-A-N-D. Um, let's see. Money, please. That's all I have to say about that. 
Courtney's got a TikTok too. She talks a lot about um, missing children cases. Um, and her TikTok is similar to her Insta. It's Courtney underscore Ann 1.0 though. Um, so we already told you what I'm working on. And we told you that is um, the baby farmer. And Courtney is has a backup Summer Wells, maybe. If she doesn't finish this other big case that we've been talking about. So when I tell you it's going to be a big case, it might end up being multiple. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a multiple parter for sure. All right. So that's what we've got to say. All right. So uh, be good people. Be safe. Make good choices. And um, don't murder people. Okay. Okay. Just some sound advice. Yeah. Don't do those things. Yes. All right. All righty. Bye.